Hi. Firstly, let me start by saying how sorry I am that I can't be with you today in person, gathering all together. Um, I had been really looking forward to visiting Glasgow and seeing everybody. Glasgow had been on my calendar for a few weeks and I've been really looking forward to it. Every time I visited Glasgow, I've had such a good time. I've got great memories ever since as a little boy when my family living just outside Glasgow would come in on special occasion. And I remember particularly for my birthday, enjoying the city. And then over the years, I've had many, many reasons to visit. And now I have great reasons and that my good friends Ruth and Todd are there. Guys, thank you so much for inviting me to be with you. I hope that I can rebook plane tickets and come up at a later date and be with you all in person. But for now, um, I'm at home recording this and uh, many of you will be at home watching this. Uh, it's quite, quite strange. It's quite um, unexpected that just a few weeks ago when thinking about this weekend in the run-up to Easter, didn't really anticipate this in any way whatsoever. And since then, there has been so much to digest, so much on the news about coronavirus and the effects it's having around the world, across this nation. Um, some really sad, um, some depressing stories, um, a lot of worry, panic. We've seen a lot of panic even in, in our communities, um, uncertainty and fear. Um, and yet in the midst of it, there are these, these stories of such beauty and hope that kind of burst through the pain of the moment. It was just last week um, that uh, many of us were moved by that story of the Italian priest, Don Giuseppe Berardelli. Um, I think he was 76 years old. He'd been a priest for over 40 years to his community. And uh, he caught the virus and he... Um, having underlying health conditions with his lungs, um, his parishioners actually had made provision for him to have um, a respirator. And he selflessly decided to pass that to someone else who could use it. And unfortunately, he died. And uh, Such a sad story, but a beautiful story of a man living out his faith in a way that made it possible for him to, in love, lay down his life for someone else and it's incredibly moving and it touched many many people and and I pray that right now amidst the pain and amidst the fear and the uncertainty that that you um, and that we may be beacons of, of hope and love to a world that's really in need of it um, I'm just reminded that so much of what so many have put their trust in is really shaking right now um, for, for many people, their job is their identity and maybe their job is under threat or, or, or their, their retirement fund. Uh, and this is even threatening our, our families. It's, uh, it's a worrying time but for the Christian whose hope is not in these things, but in the identity that's afforded to each one of us through the saving work of Christ. We have an opportunity to share that hope. Uh, as Peter will say, that, that there's, there's, there's a way that our hope shines in front of people that means that they inquire of us what it's all about. And I pray that there's an opportunity to share God's grace, his peace and his hope to those where you are right now. Um, just last week, I was reading kind of in preparation in the run up to Easter. Uh, and I was reading uh, an excellent book, John Stott's The Cross of Christ. And towards the end of that book, Stott was uh, lingering on three verses in Galatians. And as I read them for myself, um, I, I came to realize how deep they, they, they are in meaning and in richness. And perhaps for us right now, as we're in the run up to Easter, many of our Lenten habits may have fallen by the wayside. 
But still, we look to Easter in a couple of weeks' time where we join with millions around the world in celebration of the, the event that unites us all and the event that's at the core of our faith. And Paul, when he starts his letter to the Galatians, makes sure to, he makes sure to inform his readers where their identity comes from. Because later in the book, he begins to pick at maybe some things that aren't so good about what's going on. But he doesn't start with a negative. He starts with a positive word of encouragement. And I wanted to read Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. If you have your Bibles, um, I'm reading from the ESV and it says here, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And as I read these verses I'm struck by the depth of each word and, and how deliberate and careful it is. And as I unpacked it for myself I realised that it really does wrap up in the Easter message and and underline for us right now um, the reason for our hope. I mean, the way this starts, grace to you and peace from God, grace to you. It's wonderful that Paul starts in a book to talk about identity with grace, that he's saying, hey, it's not what you've done by your own efforts, but what has been freely given to you by the work of Christ, that this grace, this 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 unmerited favour which has been shown to us becomes the core of our identity. For many of Paul's readers who would have been very familiar with the Jewish uh, system and under covenant of uh, performing certain things in certain ways in order to be made right with God, and for many who aren't Christian who actually act in that way, that what we do is who we are and that we are only as good as our achievements, this is a liberation. This is, a, this is to us a freedom, grace to you. Be free from your striving to perform. And because of that, grace to you and peace. And right now, there is a lack of peace uh, in many places. Uh, we may even ex experience a lack of peace in our, in our homes because as Christians, we face the same challenges uh, and there's a lot of uncertainty. And yet, for us, because there has been a grace given to us, we're not moved necessarily by our circumstances, even though we can be swayed and even though they can press on us and they can affect our emotions. But underneath it, there's a reality of peace because our hope is in something other, someone other. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. God our Father. Describing God as Father is quite unusual. For God, the all-powerful being who created all things, yet he relates to us as, as Father. He's not, he's not abstract and he's not um, aloof, but that he wants to connect and be in relationship with us. As a, as a perfect, loving Father, acting in all wisdom um, and in the um, provision of care uh, and concern for his children. When Jesus was asked about prayer, he responded by introducing us to what we now refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, your Father, my Father, our Father who art in heaven. And that we were to um, petition God with our prayers, with our concerns, as a child would come before a loving Father in confidence uh, of his ability and in confidence of his care of who we are. 
Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Christ to us, to many people, um, well, he's his brother, his friend, and of course, at Easter time, he's saviour, and that he uh, laid down his life that we might have life, but he's also Lord. And Paul here describing Christ as Lord, as captain, as commander, as in charge, gives us reason to be confident because it's not that we have got ourselves in charge right now. And the trouble in a trying situation is we look for somebody to take charge. And we're seeing around the world leaders rise up, take charge. Um, and even in our own circumstances, we need to take charge. Are our cupboards stocked? Do we have what we need? Are things being taken care of? Um, and we're worried because so much of what we feel we wanted to control, our future, um, perhaps um, is now at risk. And so when we don't have that ability to command our own destiny, we, we worry and we despair and we can do some, some silly things. And you look around and there have been stories of some crazy antics happening um, because what normally um, passes for just uh, kind of common everyday happenings, when that normal stuff is removed, what's revealed underneath really comes out. And when we're Lord of our own life and captain of our own destiny and our destiny is not going so well, we have a tendency to lash out. But for the Christian who's made Jesus Christ Lord, commander, we submit our lives to him. He's in charge. He's in control. And as we lay down our lives to his lordship, we can say, look, I don't know what's coming tomorrow. And I don't know what's happening with this. But I'm trusting in you, God, that you have made provision for me, that you are here with me, and that you're ultimately in control of my life and you care about my life. Verse 4, who gave himself, that's Christ, who gave himself for our sins. And that's what the Easter story is about, that this world is a broken world, that we're not basically good with some bits of bad, but that we're actually fundamentally in a broken world that's marred by the effects of sin, this division, this missing of the mark, and this separation from God, our loving Heavenly Father, which is why God in great love sent Jesus to the earth, uh, Christ incarnate, becoming flesh, becoming human, uh, in order to live a perfect life, and then in dying a common criminal's death, paying for our sin, a perfect sacrifice once for all, for all the mess of the world, to ensure that we, God's children, can be brought back into relationship with him, and the whole of creation restored in unity to God, our loving Father. Because, as, as Paul writes, we live in this present evil age. Yes, Christ, what he did on the cross, undid sin and begun to unravel the effects of evil. But we are still in this evil age and there's still the works on the effects of the brokenness um, around us. But Christ gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present age according to the will of our God and Father. The will of God. He cares, he wants, he desires, he has planned. And because he's all-powerful, his will will be brought um, about. And that we can take confidence in that. And whilst we don't know what's happening, it doesn't move God. And it doesn't shake his plans. And it doesn't shake his will. To whom, God, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen.
that this present reality in its brokenness is not the full picture, but there is a future reality which is being revealed and shall be revealed in fullness that will display the glory of God in such a way uh, that will <laughs> blow our minds. And you think about in the Old Testament, those who came close to God, you think of the patriarchs of, of Moses and Abraham, and, and for those who couldn't see God's face because his glory was too much to handle, but yet there's going to be a day when we are brought into the fullness of who God is, and it's him to whom be the glory forever and ever. And for us as Christians, when we read this, when our lives are cemented on this fact, then we live in a different way. And that's really, I think, what Easter is about. It's about the celebration of the reality of an event in history where a man, Jesus, who was God, died for us and then rose again and it's people who actually believe it really happened it's not just a myth a made-up story a fabrication but something that really happened that have made such an impact on on this world tomorrow night we've got a, a great opportunity i hope you can join us we're going to look at how we actually can believe in the evidence that surrounds the the death of jesus the life of jesus and his resurrection because i find it fascinating there's so much good report christian history jewish history roman history and that the eyewitness testimony of the gospel authors themselves and we'll look at many objections as well well what about this and what about that and perhaps you've got a question about how we can believe the history surrounding the story and if you do i hope you can join us there'll be live q a um it's a it's a really fascinating study of what happened but for those who believe it's not just merely a myth for those who believe it's not just a pick-me-up story and I shall feel better but for those who believe it actually happened and then live their lives on the basis that it's truth and that it's the ultimate reality well they've lived very different lives and we saw Berardelli he lived a different life and could lay down his life in such a way um, for for somebody near him giving up what he needed in order that someone else might have what they needed. And history is replete with such stories. When I heard of Birodelli's selflessness, I was immediately reminded of another priest uh, in history, uh, a guy called Maximilian Kolbe. And I came across Kolbe when I visited Auschwitz and I looked at the concentration camp um, there uh, in uh, occupied Poland and um, when I saw it it was really quite a moving challenging uh, trip for me it was hard to take in that the, the sights and uh, there was snow on the ground it was cold that felt so appropriate for some reason um, and you I kind of walked around a bit stunned by the the reality of uh, the evidence in front of me and it was hard to digest I remember taking lots of photographs and I was kind of hearing the tour guide and there was a plaque and I took a photograph of the plaque and it was to Maximilian Colby. But it wasn't until afterwards that I began to understand more of his story as I looked him up and discovered really what had happened in that place in history. Um, Colby had been an inmate in the prison and there was a time when there was an alleged uh, escape from prison. Not even sure if that was something that actually happened, but nonetheless, the, um, the prison guards had 
decided to put their stamp of authority on things and they had arranged for 10 men at random from everybody lined up. They'd taken all the prisoners outside, they lined them all up and just selected 10 from random and sentenced them to death um, as punishment and as really an example to try and prevent others from doing the same. Um, and now one of these men, on his name being called, broke down uh, and wept as <laughs> very understandable the uh, the fate of what was about to before him kind of was made uh, made made known to him. Um, now uh, Maximilian was in the within the lines. He hadn't been called, but when he saw what had happened, he said, "Hey, let me take his his place." Um, and laughing, apparently the officers agreed, and so Maximilian Colby took the place of this other guy, and then Colby and the other nine were sentenced to death by starvation in a, a very small underground room. Um, but what's amazing is that other guys survived Auschwitz. That guy's name was Franciszek Gajovnicek, and uh, he actually went on to live till 95 years old. Uh, every year it was said he would visit Auschwitz to pay his respects and, and to remember what had happened. He witnessed the laying down of someone else's life that he might live and he never forgot it. And now there are other people who saw his story and moved by his testimony, uh, the account of what happened that's recorded in history. It was quite incredible. And the fact that Colby could so bravely give his life for, for someone else in part because of his his confidence in who his saviour was um, and the truthfulness of that story. And as we look on these stories, Birodelli today and Colby in World War Two, so Christ is a message, a story from history, a story that reaches out to us and asks us what we will do with it, asks us to ask why would he lay down his life? Ask us to inquire, what would it be like if he really did come back from the dead? What would that mean if there really was a loving God who really did care for us in such a way that he sent his son to die? I was moved that some philosophers would call um, Christ's atonement, his, his death, his sacrifice for humanity, the greatest act of love that can be conceived of by man. And it challenged me to think of a greater act of love. And I couldn't. A perfect loving God. Um, sending his son to die in our place that we may be reunited with him it, it's incredible and it reaches out from history to ask us what we will do in response and for those of us who look at that story and believe it and then accept Jesus as Lord who bow the knee and call him saviour and accept the what he has bought has brought us back into relationship with God our Father we are given this hope this gracious peace and at this time, for so many of us, as we run up to Easter and we celebrate together, my prayer is that we might be a reflection of this to others, that we might take that which has been given to us and put it on display in such a way that others go, hey, there's something different. What is it? And we might say, let me tell you about this story. It's a beautiful story and it's, uh, you're going to think it's fantasy but you'll be so pleased to know it's actually true. And that you, by believing in this story too, and then acting on it by repenting and coming to a saving faith in Christ, might also know hope and peace, and might also be that um, reservoir of support to others around you, that you might be able to selflessly love others, even as Christ has loved you. So uh, my prayer for, for, for us, for you, for this Easter time, is that you might know 
um, God's love in a powerful way, that you having been moved by his, um, by his sacrifice, his great sacrifice for us, can be that light, that peace, that hope to our communities, to our families, to the people we're locked up with at the moment inside, um, and also respond to this world in this time of great ache and need. It was at a time of suffering that Christ came. And his message is um, just resonates more strongly at times of crisis. And right now, I pray that in this time of challenge to us and to our nation and the world, that you might take God's message of hope and that it might be a great comfort to those uh, around you. Thank you so much um, for, <laughs> for, for listening, for, for tuning in. I hope that you can join tomorrow where we can unpack some of the challenges um, against the resurrection story and maybe explain why we think the resurrection uh, is so powerful and so well attested. I hope you can join us online then. But for now, I wish you, uh, I wish you the best of the rest of your day.